Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have joining us all the way from D.C. or in that surrounding area, a good friend of ours that we've uh, hung out with at cons and uh, so on. And uh, so welcome to the show, John. Live long and prosper, gentlemen. Yes, yes. So John Frage, as we call it, we always call him Frage. Um, but uh, he's been on the show before. Were you on when we did the holiday special? Yeah, I'm normally one of the uh, one of the doofuses doing your holiday special. At least your uh, your gift guide. Yeah, the gift guide. Yes. We, I don't know if it, we're, Star Wars is taking the place of the gift guide this year. Hey, you know that's fine. But that's but, fine. but but you know what? Do you know what? While while we're on it, do you have any like? Um, <laughs> you're the one that brought it up. No, <laughs> He's hitting his head here. Like, why did I even mention it? It's okay. We're gonna give you look. Shameless plug time. Yeah. Anyways. You're on. We have to allow you to plug Think Geek. I mean, that, that's kind of like your your, your bread that, that 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 puts uh, butter and jelly on the table, right? Um, so, yeah. so uh, what what does as far as gifts go? What what does Think Geek have that's awesome this year for holidays? Well, this year, as you might expect, is all Star Wars all the time. If you go to thinkgeek.com, <laughs> yeah, <you> think. <clears throat> excuse me, ding ding ding, um, you'll find. Plethora of Star Wars product, including what something we just launched today, and it's absolutely the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Uh, it is a selfie stick that is shaped like a lightsaber. So you're holding out your lightsaber. It's got the the red tube and your little hook for your for your light uh, for your uh, camera or your uh, iPhone or whatever. Lightsaber selfie stick, ladies and gentlemen. We've reached the end of ideas. <laughs> you have. Well, you know what? <laughs> Exclusively at thinkgeek.com. Go buy it because I have a lot of them. <laughs> that is awesome, though. Can you, you could easily like do a point of view, like lightsaber battle with it from I the perspective of for, from the perspective of the end of the lightsaber. You that, could. Yeah. Well, you might want to like use your cheap use your wife's phone rather than yours because <laughs> you're very likely going to break it. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Maybe a bad idea, <laughs> but, but still fun. Well, that's cool. The, the lightsaber selfie stick. That's awesome. <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. It's it's, not. it's dumb. It's it's dumb. We but we it's actually, fun. I mean, we we did it as a, as a lark. We were like, hey, how about how about a lightsaber selfie stick? And we all started laughing. But then we all looked at each other, going, why not? I mean, everyone's doing it, so why not? <laughs> all right, let's let's do it. Let's get it out there and see what happens. Yeah. I'm liking the R2-D2 USB car charger. That yeah, that's hot. That's pretty um, badass. Well, we've got the we got the R2-D2 car charger, the the kit car charger. If you don't want to do Star Wars, that's a big thing. Um, we've got a Death Star wall charger. That's a USB wall wart essentially. Looks like a little little Death Star. I've got a thing that is a um, like a two foot tall plastic ball that looks like the Death Star. That is essentially is the Death Star and it glows from within. And it's big enough that you can actually sit on it. It's not really designed to be a chair, but it can hold you if you want to like set it outside by your pool and have like a whole array of uh, of Death Stars out there. And they glow and they change color and they have little like LED remote controls so you can change the color. It's really cool. Hmm. It's really cool. Nice, nice. There you go, Miles. You can buy that for my Christmas gift. Well, for Miles, there <laughs> is the um, there is the Borg cube. And that's, oh, yeah. that's roughly the same uh, uh, same size. It does nice. the same thing. Awesome. Very you might good. prefer that one. Yeah, he might. <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of on the fence. Star Wars, Star Trek. I, I have enough 
enough room in my heart to love both. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Everybody wants to get all of us Star Trek fans into a fight right. about Star Wars this year. And I'm like, you know what? I love both. I really do. Mm-hmm. Where, where my heart really, really grows three sizes this year is Star Wars. I'm sorry, Star Trek. That's really where my, where my love is. But man, just can't be beat. New Star Wars movie. I can't wait. Um, you, you know it, and I just saw that today they're going to be premiering uh, Star Trek Beyond the trailer during Star I saw Wars. that too. What? No, yeah. I hadn't heard that. Oh, yeah. I came across the uh, social media today. So Amazing. Yeah, so talk about the, uh, if you're talking about them sharing the love, that's a, a good way to do it. it mm-hmm. Good time be, love, to love both franchises. I think that animosity between those two franchises seems to, to me, I hear less of that these days than I did if you'd have talked to me about four or five years ago. Am I, is that a fair I, assessment, or am I just uh, am I reading that wrong? Am I, am I just maybe it's my field of friends or geek culture has changed, but I just don't sense the animosity that once was there. I agree. There was that uh, bit that Triumph, the insult comic dog, did for um, the Phantom Menace when there were fans wrapped around the building and they uh, they had you know Triumph the the, the puppet dog from. Uh, I saw it. It's a great skit. Yeah, yeah, just insulting all the uh, all the fans and their and their their virginity and so on. And then they had a guy coming out dressed as Spock, just stoically flipping everybody off. That was funny. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think that animosity really exists anymore. Yeah, uh, you know, it's. I mean, on the, on the podcast you and I listen to, uh, um, uh, um, Trekcast. I mean, I think I think one of them said if. This has been their experience. If for Star Wars fans, they don't care for Star Trek. Star Trek fans can like both. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that said. I suppose. I mean, I think what has been explained to me is that Star Trek is far more cerebral mm-hmm. than Star Wars. Um, I feel like that still is sort of a backhanded compliment to, right. to Star Trek fans, um, saying that, well, we're smarter than them. So, yes. <laughs> we accept Star Wars, but you know, really, Star Trek is where is what's good. That's not really true. It's a matter. Of, I mean, it's 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 Coke or Pepsi. It's I like both. There's nothing wrong with either. I don't I don't hate one. If I if I I don't have to hate one to like the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm I'm totally stoked that we have a new Star Wars movie to look forward to, it, and it looks it looks like it's going to be great. Well, you know, I think that comment, John, has to come from the fact that we've had. You know, Oodles, a series of Star Trek episodes that have explored in-depth, controversial, and societal <laughs> topics over the years. Um, we didn't get that with Star Wars. And so Star Wars really has had the movies. Yes, we've had, like, Rebels. We had Clone Wars and, you know, you know the, uh, the you know, droid tales and stuff like that. But these are not... These were geared toward kids and were not necessarily tackling the deeper adult topics that we typically found in Star Trek. And so I hear that backhanded compliment that you mentioned and I acknowledge that there there's probably some truth to that but they're, they're they're different entities in a sense and we haven't ever had us I mean Star Wars wasn't ever ever built to be that sort of vehicle well they were talking for a time about bringing uh, Star Wars down to the small screen right but I think that might have gotten set aside to do the um, the interstitial movies the uh, rebel uh, not rebel the um Oh shoot! Rogue. The Rogue One yeah. movie, um, and that that trilogy that they're going to sort of focus around the secondary characters. I think they had probably cannibalized some of those storylines 
to use in those uh, those interstitial movies. I'm sure. But I, I thought that maybe what would happen is, just like Star Trek, you know, when you've got episodic television, you've got 26 stories you have to write a year, not just one two-hour long story. you got to write 26 one-hour long episodes. You've got a lot of topics you need to cover. Otherwise, it gets stale. If it's, the, if it's just action, action, action over and over and over again, people get bored. I mean, 24 is fun and everything, but, you know, sometimes you got to have some vegetables with your meat. You know what I'm right. saying? No, no. And and I hear you. And I think it would be, yeah, I remember there was, it was right, it was before the franchise had been sold, but Lucas was, was in the process of developing this live action uh, Star Wars. I think it got tabled because the cost ended up, I mean, it was, it was going to be expensive anyways, is my understanding. And then it got tabled. Um and then Lucas sold, and then you didn't hear anything else about it. But I remember we were talking about this. Oh yeah, there were for a while. There was news out there about it. Yeah, yeah, and so it, it just it never happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's fine. I and mean, we're, we're we certainly are going to be getting our fair amount of Star Wars these upcoming years with Disney handling the property, and that's I mean it's that's nice. It's nice. So I'm excited about that. Um, looking forward to it. There is no doubt that that the hype coming up to this movie. Uh, you know, The Force Awakens is absolutely incredible. That'll be the question. Does it live up to the hype? Well, J.J. Abrams says it won't. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, he came out. He said there's no way that there's no way the hype that's surrounding this, that this movie is going to meet the expectations for everyone. Um, doesn't mean it's not going to be a good movie. Doesn't mean it's going to be exci- not going to be exciting and introduce, uh, you know, new casts, new, new characters and everything else that we love. But he said there's just, I mean, everyone's expectations are so ungodly high. Um, I think I think this is part of the Avengers' fault. I, I mean, Disney did such an incredible job with Avengers, and um, in the way they marketed and produced it, that there's a high expectation now that Disney's gotten a hold of this for a better script, for better characters. I mean, JJ did Star Trek, and now he's coming to Star Wars. Um, I don't know. I think there's a ton of expectation from from people. I mean, just look at look at how well the pre the pre sales have gone. Right. Um, I don't even know what pre-sales are at. Do you know? No, I, I don't know what the figures are. But I can find. Last out. number I heard was already over a hundred million, and that was probably two weeks ago. Wow! Wow! So but, segueing into actual Return of the Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I did a little research in uh, in what the internet, what the budding internet thought of this brand new Lucasfilm movie uh, when it was released in 1983. Uh, believe it or not, the internet existed, and there was a very um, vociferous comment uh, engine called Usenet, where everyone would uh, <laughs> gather and talk about uh, talk about uh, things that that they that they hated, apparently. Um, kind of like we do now. Generally speaking, uh, Return of the Jedi was generally positively accepted by the fans, um, but a lot of them just said, you know, they wanted more darkness. They wanted what they got out of Empire Strikes Back was dark and real and they wanted to see more death and more destruction and less happy endings but um there's a book um that i was skimming this morning called uh, the making of return of the jedi and it was actually a conversation between george lucas and one of the producers and they were saying uh, and, and the the producer was saying you know they like we want i want to kill off uh, han solo i want to make sure that uh, that vader dies and the emperor dies and Lucas was like, no, 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 nobody dies. Nobody dies. We did dark last episode. And now I want I want there to be a happy ending. You know, uh, this is for the kids. The kids want a happy ending. I mean, kids being the children. He wanted it. He wanted the kids to have the fairy tale ending that makes them feel good at the end of the movie, that they walk out 
standing up straight and smiling on their face because everything turned out okay. That's what he wanted. So the darkness that he got out of Empire Strikes Back was, he felt, was unfinished. So the internet at the time hated it. They hated it. Well, they, they, they hated it or they at least said, well, kind of predictable. Everything happened. Everything, everything turned out okay in the end. Sort of predictable. It blew up the Death Star. Spoilers. Um, uh, Luke survives. Vader dies. Um, Han and Leia get together. Everybody's, everybody's happy. Um, they didn't care for that. Or at least they thought it was boring or, or um, I guess. I don't know that that really bothered me. I mean, I was 13 when it came out. And at 13, it, it, it satisfied what I wanted to see. I did want to see, you know, the Death Star get blown up. You know, the Emperor, you know, dealt with. Um, the fact that we, you know, we'll explore us more with Vader get you know gets his soul back basically um you know as an adult maybe it would have been more satisfying if, or if we saw some a little more realistic where we saw maybe one or two of our heroes have to pay the price to um you know to save the day but at, at, at my age of 13 uh, you know it, it it seemed to satisfy one i wanted to see for the most part yeah. yeah, same here. I think, I mean, I was 13 and I was just super excited. Um, I had gotten together with my friends and we had seen um, Empire Strikes Back and we had come up with our own theories about what Return of the Jedi was going to be about. And is Vader really Luke's father? Spoilers. Um, yeah. Because there was, a, there was a discussion between us that maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was lying and manipulating uh, Luke for his own gains. Um, or that maybe he kind of was his father. He wasn't really lying, and that that there was a whole theory around that. I can I can go into details if you guys want to, but I don't think we want to rat hole quite yet. <laughs> right. Oh, let me see here. I was just still looking at the pre-sales. I'm still stuck in that. But oh goodness. Yeah. So um, one of the interesting things I found about uh, gross ticket sales for Return of the Jedi opening weekend. What do you think? How do you think it did opening weekend? So. Let's preface this by saying a movie is considered bad if it doesn't make $100 million opening weekend, and that's $2015. Right. So 1983, what's a good opening weekend? Is this adjusted? Are we adjusting this for inflation? Nope. This is the actual dollars. Uh, I guess I shouldn't cheat and look it up in Box Office Mojo. Um, (laughs) uh, What would be good? Um, $40 million. Miles? Um, forty to fifty million, I guess, would would probably be an excellent opening weekend. Opening weekend for Return of the Jedi, May twenty seventh through May 29th was twenty three million dollars. Ooh, was that considered good or bad? That was actually number one. It was number one for six weeks. Ooh, it was roughly grossing that every week, every weekend. Yeah, it took um, uh, yeah, it took about almost three weeks to reach a hundred million dollars. Wow, which is now considered to be an average performing uh, blockbuster. Yeah. They're saying that the pre-sales will hit a hundred million by the time it opens. Okay. So, so before anyone has seen this movie, it will make more than most movies make. That's have you, uh, have you bought your tickets yet? No, I did not. I did. did. Miles didn't either. So no, I'm going to probably, I'll probably wait till the weekend after it opens. Yeah. 
You know, it's uh, it's a tough weekend. We have a lot of holiday concerts with my kids coming up that week. It opens. Uh-huh. Um, that's obviously important. Then the following week, Tish gets her wisdom teeth out. So uh, it'll probably, I'm guessing it'll probably be till after Christmas. So whatever. I'll see. I'll see it. I'm definitely going to see it. Um, but did you buy your tickets already? Not exactly. <laughs> um, the uh, so opening night is Thursday night, but Think Geek is shutting down on Friday and taking the entire company out to uh, the Alamo Draft House in Ashburn, Virginia, to go see it at about lunchtime. That's nice. So, yeah. Well, so uh, we're filling up the entire theater. That's qu- that. That's the best work trip I could think of. <laughs> I know. Why doesn't my school do that? We should just like <laughs> we should just do an airing in the auditorium for all the students. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, you know, after its first weekend, uh, we, of course, Return of the Jedi went on to make um, domestically $250 million. And uh, it's like with a lifetime gross of 309 and add about 165 in the foreign to that. So that's didn't do too bad. Did you, I'm sure. I mean, that's good by today's standards. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely good by today's standards. Mm-hmm. But... Well, let's launch into a little bit here. Um, what do you remember about the first time? Uh, what do you remember about seeing Return of the Jedi the very first time, Miles? It really seemed like they they were really pulling all the punches. I mean, or you know, going out of their way to make this just bigger. I mean, they knew this was their last film. They didn't know at the time if there'd be more. I mean, so. I mean, we, we we got such huge scenes. I mean, um, the the rescue scene, rescuing Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt. I mean, that was going back to Tatooine, but that whole that sky barge thing. I mean, I was loving that. I mean, that you know, Luke flipping around, you know, getting the lightsaber, and that that was just a. The action was just really, you know, it, it magnified by ten from the last two movies. Um, you, you, you had that certainly beats the action sequence between uh, Obi Wan and Vader in the, in the first <laughs> in the first Death Star. So, right. Um, but so it, it really, I mean, they they really went out of their way just to do as much as they could with this film. Uh, the the speeder bike scenes in, in on Endor. I mean, for that time, that was cutting edge technology. That was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that speeder bike chase. Mm-hmm. Highlight. Yeah. Uh, we got some n- n- uh, new starships. I mean, the whole Rebel fleet. I mean, some really beautiful ships seen in that. Some new new, new fighters in that. Um, the Imperial shuttle. I mean, we saw it in Empire Strikes Back in the remastered version, um, but we never saw that ship until you know Return of the Jedi. I thought that was that was just a cool looking badass shuttle. Uh, the, the Imperial shuttle they had. Um, the uh, so I mean when, when I first saw it I mean it, it it didn't fail to blow my mind we'll just say mm. how about you John um, I remember <clears throat> I was 13 years old like uh, just like Miles um, I went to Springfield Mall with my mom and my dad and my sister um, but I cheated and I usually did at that age I uh, read the novelization first. So I knew the entire story before the movie, before the first uh, crawl, before the opening crawl. So I knew what to expect. I knew which, where the beats were. Um, 
I knew uh, I knew that uh, that the bounty hunter that was dropping off or that was coming to uh, to to drop off uh, uh, Chewbacca would eventually pick up Han Solo and uh, would be Princess Leia. So that surprise was lost on me, unfortunately. At least the cinematic surprise. I mean, sure, I read the book and went, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at that age, I I hated to wait. Not you know, to a certain degree, I still do. If the if the novelization came out for um, uh, for uh, the Force Awakens came out today, I would stay up all night and read it. Um, I've been looking, I've been scouring the internet, frankly, for uh, pirated copies of the soundtrack, <laughs> which I'm sure somebody out there has. And just like, there's got to be some, there's got to be some detail in there. I remember when the Phantom Menace came out, actually, that um, that NPR played the first track to the or the the opening track, which on the CD was Duel of the Fates, was the fight between right. Darth Maul and and, uh, and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. And I thought, oh, man, this is, I just ate it up. This is giving me, like, audio clues into the story. Right. Um, so, yeah, I I, uh, I cheated, got ahead, got, got ahead of the show. And, yeah, like Miles, even even knowing what happened, the visuals were just so stunning. The, the battle around the Death Star, I, I'm pretty sure my jaw was in my chest just just completely agog at the number of tie fighters flying around just the swarm uh of tie fighters and just all the action and just trying to follow it the best i can and thinking how the heck are they flying through the superstructure of the death star there's just no way you know it is just it's just dodging left and right and up and down and through and twist and turn and just impossible and like man it takes jedi <laughs> skills to do that right definitely would um you know, you said you mentioned about the music, and this is one of the, this is maybe a little bit, a bit of a side tangent, but there's there's something about at least certain pieces of Star Wars music that that when you give when you talk about giving cinematic clues, I'm with you. You think of Duel of Fates, you think of the Imperial Death March or Darth Vader scene, and there's just there's so many that that John Williams has just done an incredible job of drawing us into this place, and I think it's one of the things I'm looking forward to in The Force Awakens is the same sort of musical moments mm -hmm. that kind of capture you. And so, one of the things that Star Wars has done beautifully over the years. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. And then for me, like I, I don't remember where I was the first time I watched it. Um, I can tell you that there was a good chance, and I mentioned this, uh, you, you guys who have listened to the, uh, the Empire show when it's out, you, you'll get this in repeat, but I, I probably watched it on the Commodore 64 at home. And the way, the way this happened was my dad had rigged up a VCR to our Commodore 64 monitor, and, was, and, and when they aired it, and we were able to get like stations on this VCR, and when they aired Return of the Jedi on network television, we watched it then, is how we did. Because I don't, I know that I did not see it in the theater. My family just didn't go to movies like that. Um, probably not until I was running around in my teens, and that was in the late '80s. So I missed Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, but I do, I did see it, and I remember very clearly watching it. You know, in the room next to the podcasting room here, um, on a little metal desk that hung out in the alcove, and and I was watching the speeder chase through the forest. I mean, I, so I have the those iconic memories of that. Um, I was very impressed with that. Um, and uh, I think that final battle uh, was, uh, you know, around the Death Star, like John said, was something that was incredible and memorable to me. Um, 
we didn't watch a ton of science fiction movies, so it just stood out to me as being one of my favorites. So, at that age, I didn't get. I mean, at thirteen, I thought I'm done with toys or whatever, so I didn't get much in the way of toys or memorabilia. But I thought the speeder bike was the coolest thing in the world, so I did get <laughs> a a speeder bike with a speeder bi- bike trooper. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. John, did you get any of the toys? I did. I had um, I had a, several of the action figures that I'd gotten for Christmas from several uh, from several family members. What I remember though was my um, my friends telling me how rare the Yoda that I had was um, the little Yoda with the with the orange snake that wrapped around his, oh, his yeah. arms and shoulders, yeah. which was completely non canonical, but they added it anyway. <laughs> um, so. Um, I remember being out in my backyard and I, I backed up to a, a green belt. There was nothing behind my house for a mile. And so my uh, friends and I would set up targets and shoot them with our BB guns. And I remember one time um, talking to a friend of mine and he and he, he said, hey, John. And I looked and he had the BB gun pointed at the Yoda and he, and he blasted it and just just smashed it to, to pieces. And I was I was so angry. Oh, but of course. I'm over it. I'm over it because you know that that Yoda was not rare. In fact, it's probably one of the least popular. <laughs> now, IG88. If someone if someone blew up my IG88, still in the packaging, I would be very upset. That one is rare. That one is actually rare. <laughs> was IG88 one of the bounty hunters from Empire? Yeah. So he was the tall, skinny, yeah, um, right, right. droid bounty hunter. Yep, I remember him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't he make appearances in some of the Clone Wars animated series. Him or versions of them did, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. Um, well, you guys ready for some trivia? Let's do Bring it. it. Bring it. Let's see how. Let's see. Uh, J- J- we, we, before the show, uh, you were here. John was yelling at us for not knowing the answers, so we'll see how well he does here. We're, we're, okay, we're gonna, t- we're gonna test John here. So I actually have two sets of trivia. Which one do you want? To, do you want to do the general one first, and then we'll narrow in in Jabba's palace? Does that work? Yeah. Sure. All yeah. right. So let's do Return of the Jedi. These are 10 questions of Return of the Jedi. Then we'll do 10 questions of Jabba's Palace itself. See how well you do. Which of these is not a change made for the special edition of Return of the Jedi? The Celebration Music Sequence, the Sarlacc Pit Monster, the Rancor Monster, Jabba's Music Sequence. Which one's not a change? What is not a change? Yeah. The Rancor was not changed. Uh, yeah, that, that. is that where you're going at? Yeah. All right, and bingo. The rancor was not changed. What Oops. were the first two words spoken in Return of the Jedi? Here are your options. Command station, Lord Vader. You may inform the... Oh, man. Um, inform the commander that Lord Vader's shuttle has arrived. Some. Yes, that, inform the. Okay, inform the. What do you say? I hate to be copying, but I, I, I think that's you like probably, that. Yeah. Inform the. Inform the. It's not correct. Ah. Oh! <laughs> it says a member of his crew in the shuttle says command station. This is ST three twenty one code clearance blue. <laughs> uh all right. Well. All right. That's it. That's it for me. Good night, you guys. Yeah, uh, right. We are off. Okay. What is the first thing that C three PO says in Return of the Jedi? Goodness gracious me. Of course I'm worried. R2, are you sure this is the right place? There doesn't seem to be anyone here. The second one. Of course I'm worried. How about you, John? The third one. Ooh, which one should I pick? Well, we'll pick it. 
Miles was correct. The ah, second one. Wow. Right. Yep. I'm full of fail today. No, it's not as easy as you think. No, no. <laughs> no it's not. No, You're right. Some of these are a little bit harder than maybe some of the others. What is the name of the droid that assigned the jobs for people or things working with Jabba? The MSE six, two one B, eight D eight. EV-99. I really don't know the answer to this one. I, I never heard him called by, you know. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. I'm sure there was an action figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. What was the H? Was it H? Was that one? That third option? Um, I'm out, out, out of it, actually. But like, the answer is EV-99. I would have had it wrong anyway. Yeah, I would have. I would have had it. I, I definitely had it wrong because I chose one <laughs> of the other. Before. Finish this line by Jabba the Hutt. This bounty hunter is my kind of scum. Valiant and resourceful, fearless and inventive, intrepid and imaginative, audacious and ingenious. Fearless and inventive. Oh, 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 oh. Ah, ah. <laughs> I think that, that sounds right. It is correct. You hey, have, you have redeemed yourself, John. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys should know this. Who is the director of Return of the Jedi? Do I need to give you any options here? Or do you not? Did Lucas direct this one? So here are the options. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Daniels. Uh, was it Richard Marquand? Quand? Marquand? Uh, George Lucas and Rick McCallum? Uh, yeah. uh, I think it was Lucas, but... Lucas? Yeah, I think I, I, I'm going with Lucas. Lucas was not it. Yeah. Um, it was Richard Marquand. Okay, so Lucas only directed um, the first one. episode four. Okay. So, you know, Irv, Irv, Irvin Kirshner. Yeah. Empire. Who plays Anakin Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, not in the newer DVD version? This is the uh, I know this one. Are go you talking ahead. about... Oh, wait. Okay, well, let's go through the list. No, me, wait, just go ahead. Give me the one that you're going to say. So are you talking about the guy in the suit or the guy who's taking his mask off? The guy who's taking his mask off. Sebastian Shaw. You are correct. <laughs> yeah, that actually was one of the one of the more repeated comments on the Usenet chat that I was reading this morning. Was uh, some people saying when when Vader has his mask taking off, that's uh, that is uh, James Earl Jones. And back then, the budding internet had no idea what James Earl Jones looked like. Right, <laughs> that was what James Earl Jones looked like. That's kind of funny. That, that's actually. kind of is. funny. What type of ship ended up destroying the Executor? Now the Executor. Ah, I know this one. Okay, it's a B-Wing, X-Wing, Y-Wing, A-Wing. Miles? I want to say A-Wing. Is he right, John? He's right. A-Wing smashes right into the bridge. All right, A-Wing it is. A little ship destroyed that huge... Two more questions on this one, then we'll go to Jabba's Palace. Go ahead, Rigo. To be fair, fair, an A-Wing blows up the bridge shields first, and then another A-Wing smashes into it. All right, so two A-Wings take out these. Two A-Wings do it. Okay. All right. What is the order that the systems are shown in during the celebration after the Death Star was destroyed in the special edition? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the options. Endor, Tatooine, Bespin, Coruscant. Endor, Bespin, Tatooine, Coruscant. Uh, Endor, Coruscant, Tatooine, Bespin. Bespin, Endor, Tatooine, Coruscant. Endor, Bespin, Tatooine, Coruscant. All right. Let's see. If, all right, do you agree with them? 
Yeah, well, I'll go with that. You'll go with that? You guys are correct. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you got that. Um, last question. During the attack on the main reactor of the Death Star, Lando told Wedge to go for the power regulator on the blank tower. East, south, west, north. I'm going to say east tower. How about you, John? North tower. North tower. And north tower it is. All right. All right. Acknowledged. I'm already on my way up. You are. Yep. Very good. Very good. Well, we didn't do terrible. We got seven out of ten, so that's passing. That's respectable. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's do uh, uh, the ten of the hardest questions from Return of the Jedi's Jabba <laughs> Palace. <laughs> Because we need okay. harder questions than we already got. We already showed ourselves inept at this trivia. Why not do a little bit more, right? Um, so I'm going to probably... Um, is it Bosch or Bosch, the Ubi's bounty hunter, captured Chewbacca and wanted how much for his bounty? 25000 no less, 50000 no less, 60000 no less, 75000 no less, 100000 50000 no less. All right. 50,000. this. Yes. All right. You are good. Next question. Yeah. When Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker was presented as a hologram message, Jabba's major domo, Bib Fortuna, said, Najaba <laughs> uh, Nobatha, he's no Jedi. Nadcha, he's no Jedi. Master Bargain and Wenit, he's no Jedi. I'm trying mispronouncing this, so bear with me. Uh, Michad Sagudi, he's no Jedi. Kava no. Notachi, Luke Skywalker. He's no Jedi. <laughs> um, uh, I got the part. He's no Jedi, but yeah, what? yeah. Pick, pick one. They're right. No. <laughs> I think it's. I'm not. I'm not looking it up. I'm setting up something else. Okay. Um, I think it's Jabba Nobatha. He's no Jedi. I think. Uh, it is. Uh, Enwente. <laughs> uh, the master bargain Enwente. So I got it wrong too. I clicked the wrong one. Han Solo was blind when he was freed from carbonite. What was the problem? Uh, uh, carbon T glaucoma, Corellian cataracts, hibernation dystrophy, color blindness, hibernation sickness. Hibernation sickness. Hibernation sickness. Yep. All those are yeah. all those are plausible. Hmm. Um, what happened to Chewbacca during the Sarlacc battle? Chewbacca was shot in the arm by Vizem, Jabba's sail barge cannon operator. Boba Fett shot Chewbacca in the leg, trying to shoot at Luke. Chewbacca's legs got tangled up in the skiff's wiring. Chewbacca was shot in the leg by Vizem, Jabba's anti-personnel turret operator. Chewbacca killed Klautau with his bare hands. I don't remember I don't Chewbacca getting shot. I don't know any of those. I certainly know he wasn't shot. Okay, I don't remember that... him getting his, his, his feet tangled. Well, it must be the last one. I'm going to say he killed someone with his bare hands. That's the only thing. Vizam was quick to start blasting the skiff, resulting in Luke killing him immediately when he reached the sail barge. Um, so I guess he was... Uh, he uh, Vizam shot him. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. That, that is right. So. Hmm. Okay. But I just... Chapak is kind of one of those things during the sail barge thing. You just don't... He's not central to the sail barge. You know he's there because mm -hmm. he has to be there. But he's making sure Hand Solo yeah. doesn't fall off the thing. Okay, now you guys, you geeks, have to know this one. If you fell into the Sarlacc pit, how many years would it take for it to digest you? A thousand years. <laughs> a thousand years. <laughs> a thousand years, and that's great. We, I'm not even give you the options for that one. Job had a favorite slave dancer whom he got angry with. What was her name? Mm. 
You ready? Yeah. Yarna uh, de Gargan, Ula, a Reistel Sant, Lin Mi, Grita Jendowanian. Uh, B, Ula something. Ula. Yeah. Something. Ula. I think it's Lin Mi, but. Oh, I was wrong. Play Ula. You're good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. What is what is yes, Jabba the Hutt's real name? What's his real name? Yeah. Jabba Desilic uh, Turi, Jabba the Almighty, Jabba Nahata, Jabba Lagorga, Jabba Gamarinian. Probably mispronounced the last one. There, no, no, it's not the last one because Gamarinian is the those are the the pig guards. Yeah. What what's the first? Oh, no, those are Gamorian. Yeah. Good. The, the, yeah, Gamorian. What were the first two choices? Uh, Jabba Desilic Tior, Jabba the Almighty, Jabba Nahata, and Jabba Lagorga. The other options. Mm, I'm gonna no go with the, the second one. I'm gonna go with Nohada. Yeah, that's. I'm going with yours, John. Uh, but it was the first one. Really? Yeah. Um, I'd like to see where that was canonized. Yeah, I know. Where'd they get to that question sure, for this one? I'm sure, our friend Dayton would have a problem with. Yeah, that. he might. This is not canon. What is the name for the style of music that? the Max Rebo band played. What was it? Oh, there was a name for the style of music the Max Rebo band played. What was it? Uh, Moodle Nordestic, Outer Rim Pop, Galactic Funk, Mecco Disco, Jizz Wailing. Galactic Funk? Yeah, I'd go with that. Uh, Jizz Wailing. (laughs) Jizz Wailing it is. All right. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Terrible name for a type of music if you're asking me. Yeah. Uh, Jabba's Luxury Barge is two more here and then we'll be done. Jabba's Luxury uh, Sail Barge had an actual name. What was it? The Golden Yacht? The Lovely the lovely Ubrickian? The Speedy Kajidic? K-A-J-I-D-I-C. Mispronouncing it. Uh, the Katana? The Nahara? The second one, I think. The Lovely? And the Lovely. You? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Katana. Is the name of it? The katana. See, these are all different ones. I figured. What was the name yeah. of the what last one here? So you really have to know Java's Palace, I guess. And, and probably need a re I'm guessing they're getting some of this from either the script or the books. That have to you, be. They have to be some of them. What was the name of the song the Max Rubo band played during the original version of Return of the Jedi? Jedi Rocks, Mad About Me, Say Schnooten, Droopy, Maculio, uh Lepti Neck. Third one. Lepty neck. The fourth, Lepty the fifth neck. One. Yep. I know. Which means, <laughs> you know, which means I, work it out. <laughs> I, I'm officially declaring shenanigans. I would like to know. I would like to know the source of these answers because yes. I do not believe they are can. They are can. There, there we go. So yeah. Well, we don't. Uh, who's the author? It doesn't even tell me that. All right. Well. Yep. All right. shenanigans. shenanigans. We're in the source. See how many of you got them right. See, there's probably some geek out there that knew all that stuff. It wasn't me. And it's yelling at me in his car. Yeah, just like you. Just desserts, just desserts. All right, well, let's um, <laughs> let's get into other stuff regarding Return of the Jedi. So as you look at this movie as a whole, what for you are some of the... We're going to talk about two things. We're going to start off with the, mo- the favorite moments, your iconic moments in this movie that stand out for you. And then we do want to talk about the moments that maybe even after all these years still make you cringe a little bit. Because every movie has them. And especially Star Wars movies, no matter how much we love them, they have those moments you're like, 
gosh, what was Lucas thinking with that script or, you know, whatever it was. So what let's talk about the let's talk about favorite moments. And John, why don't we start with you? Moments favorite of stand moments, out. One of my favorite moments is it's going to be funny because uh, this, there's going to be uh, we're going to come back to the scene when we talk about cringe moments. <laughs> but one of my favorite moments is when Leia tells Solo that he's my brother. Spoilers. <laughs> I know I really should say spoilers before I say the spoiler. Right. Anyway, right. so she then pulls him into a kiss and you see about six or seven expressions going over Solo's face. You can <laughs> count them. You can just actually see his, him going through incredulity, unbelievable, you're just being un, not believing what, what is being said, and then the um, implications of what was just said, like, but but she but she kissed him, like, twice. Um, and then, you know, the elation that, okay, great, then there's nobody in my way, and, and then just total elation after that. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's amazing to see. I mean, you got to give um, Harrison Ford credit for, for being an outstanding actor. Um, seeing all of those emotions go by, in less than a second, mm-hmm. pretty incredible stuff. You know, watch it. Just watch it over. Right, right. No, it is a powerful moment. Powerful moment. Um, Miles, how about you? Favorite uh, moment. Favorite moment. Um, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just pick one. Um, the um, when they're breaking. When they're trying to rescue Han Solo, but they're on the whole, the whole scene on the sky barges. Um, when you see Luke on the on the plank, jumps off, flips around, and then R two D two shoots out the, the lightsaber, and you just know the poop's going to hit the fan. Right, it's going to be awesome. Um, that 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 was just they just really turned things up a notch when. After that happened, after that, it's just like they they gave gave the movie steroids or something. Well, you know, I you know R two is great of concealing stuff. There's no doubt. I mean, did you see the guy the thing that come down on Facebook this past week where they talked about R two D two being the ultimate jerk? I, I <laughs> did you did you see that? You know, where it's like he he knew all about what happened in the prequels the whole time mm-hmm. and didn't tell anyone, like. You know, he knew that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, but he didn't tell them. He let them go on their own way and have their own little flame going on in the other movies. And, you know, and and there's just all this information he's carrying that he just doesn't tell. Right. You know, he just kind of says, screw you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you guys figure it out on your own. Yeah. He, <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome. And then he, he, he pretends to, like, not know Obi-Wan, or Obi-Wan pretends not to know him. But, but yeah. So a favorite moment for me... <sighs> You know, this is going to sound really cheesy, but one of my favorite moves is when you see the uh, what the chicken walkers uh, going through the forest there at the end. You know, the what the not the Adats. Is it the Adats? Scout walkers, yeah, yeah. I think they're called. Uh, uh, scout walkers. Oh, we, the ATST. Yeah, yeah. We we always call them chicken walkers because they look like chickens. And <laughs> I don't know if that's where I got that term from, but somewhere I heard that term. But when they're walking through in the the attack, and while while the Ewoks, I have a love love hate relationship with the Ewoks. Because um, they feel a little bit Jar Jar to me, although I think Jar Jar's worse. Um, but I loved when they attack um, the chicken walkers there mm-hmm. uh, because it feels so Swiss Family Robinson for me. You know, <laughs> seriously. Uh, you know, it's like the little you know, like the the logs come rolling down, and suddenly the walkers can't walk, and the two logs they like release and smash it. You know, two logs coming in from either end, and 
Um, it's just a fun battle to think, okay, what what creative things are these little creatures who have no technology going to do to bring down these huge technological behemoths, you know, to them? Um, not quite as daunting as the huge walker, the imperial walkers you saw in, at Hoth, but certainly for them, you know, you know, uh, monumental. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of, that was a cool scene for me. Um, nothing real iconic, but, but I liked it. Yeah, that was a theme that uh, Lucas said early on he wanted to make sure uh, he had in Return of the Jedi. He had seen that in a in another movie, like a samurai film or something like that, where a uh, or a bunch of um, well-armed and armored raiders were overcome by simple farming implements, by people with rakes and shovels. Um, mm. He liked the idea of, of of that level, that that disparity of technology and, and, and warfare. Uh, still taking down the overconfident bad guys. Yeah. Uh, there's something about this something makes that, you know, the underdog. And that's what it feels like, you know, you know, vanquishing the the empire, you know, who can take the empire and it's, you know, the Ewoks. You know, the Ewoks kind of take them down. And so I do I do like that. Right, but ultimately, I mean, ultimately was Chewbacca commandeering one of those scout walkers which really Oh, that yeah. kind of was the uh, the turning point. Yeah, it yeah. was definitely, definitely, definitely was the turning point. You know, I'm going to cheat. I have a second one. Can I share a second one, a second favorite moment? Then you guys can share a second one if you yeah. want to. But sure. But the um, I, the second thing that I like this is the first movie we really see the emperor. Yes, we get glimpses of him in the in Empire, but but it's in this movie where you see him on his chair watching the battle between Vader and Son, right? And it's absolutely, um, it's an incredible, it's an incredible moment. You, you, you see how evil he is and you see him turn on Vader. Um, and, you, you know, he, he epitomizes the, the Sith in this movie. And I just, I just love him. Well, it's, when my wife and I were watching, I was just like, he doesn't even care about Darth Vader. I said, yeah, he's trading in one, the old Skywalker for a new one, basically. Yeah, the latest model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the Emperor was a great character yeah. in this movie. Well, and he, he got the perfect actor for it. Right. Yeah, he does. He, he will always be the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Always be the Emperor to me. So. And that, that, Much that, to his probable chagrin. Yeah. You know. He won't find another job ever. What was that? He won't find another job ever. No, no. That, that'll be that'll be it. You know, it, and I know that they, that he replaced, I guess, the original Emperor in which one was it? It wasn't this movie. It was in um, well, Empire Strikes Back. They had a different voice, a different voice. But uh, I think they had a woman also character. The, the costume, the I costume guess, yeah. was being, and and I'm very glad for this change because I just think he he just does an excellent job. Right. Oh yeah, being sinister and evil and everything else that you have in this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, other favorite moments for you guys. The the whole taking down the Death Star was just epic. I mean, I, I know we're just talking about an action scene, um, but um, hey, don't don't say just an action scene though. I mean, one of the things that draws geeks everywhere to Star Wars is not only the philosophy and the intimate moments of father and son, but it is the action. Mm-hmm. I mean, we say just the action like it's something bad, but it's not Miles. I mean, no, it's and I'm I'm not and I'm not apologizing for liking it. It's just. I, I think people forget, as we're, you know, adults, we should be looking at maybe the hidden deeper meaning or the deep character moments, and 
Sometimes you just have a great entertaining ac- action scene where, where crap gets blown up. Yeah, sometimes you just want to watch Expendables and be happy about it. Right. You know? <laughs> not not <laughs> yeah. think too hard. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not going in for ADI. I just want to see crap blowing up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> John, how about, how about you, John? So there's, there's a theme, actually, that sort of permeates... Um, both Return of the Jedi and a little bit of The Empire Strikes Back. And actually, you know, even even the original A New Hope. Um, and that is how manipulative um, the Jedi and the Sith are to Luke. Oh, um, yeah. And the scene, the scene I'm specifically talking about is the scene where um, Obi-Wan appears to Luke the last time. And he's explaining, he's giving a lot of, uh, he's giving a lot of explanation of what Yoda had said about the other and his relationship to Darth Vader, and why didn't you tell him? And, and from yeah, everything I said was true from a certain point of view. <laughs> Obi Wan was manipulating Luke. Yoda was manipulating Luke. They wanted to set Luke up to be to be the foil to the Emperor, the last ditch effort to finally take down what had destroyed the Jedi. And you think about this too: the original title. For Return of the Jedi was Revenge of the Jedi. Yep. But then people started writing Lucas and he said, well, people think that Jedi don't revenge, so I'm going to change it to Return of the Jedi. Even though the producers thought it was a weak title, they wanted Revenge of the Jedi. Uh, he said, no, 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 Jedi don't revenge. They do. They completely effing do. <laughs> they were like, they could have told Luke in advance, hey, look, so here's the thing, man. You, you are the progeny of this bad guy, okay? He's strong in the force. You're strong in the force. We can train you to take these guys down. Um, we need your help. No, no, no. They didn't tell him any of that. They could have, but they didn't. And they didn't specifically because they wanted to set him up to be that fall guy, to be the guy who just kamikazes right into the middle of it all and takes and takes the emperor down, takes Vader down. This was their last chance, or at least they thought it was their last chance. They could have done it up front. Um, tried to build a small army, but no, no. They, they instead manipulated Luke into being at the right place at the right time, told him only what he needed to know. So yeah, that scene where where um, where Obi-Wan is trying to explain to Luke uh, that, no, 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 I'm, I'm being straight with you. I'm totally being straight with you. You're not being set up at all. It's crap. <laughs> it's just crap. <laughs> well, you know, this is a theme that Lucas explores and in the prequels quite a bit because you think, um, I mean, Anakin... Okay, Anakin's conversation with the Emperor, uh, and even with the Jedi at times, talks blatantly about the fact that he's being manipulated and being used to spy, and um, and it really doesn't... At one side, you say, well, the motivation of the Jedi is for the protection of the people and and the care, and there's something noble about what the Jedi are doing, but this 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 blatant manipulation from both sides uh, doesn't put the Jedi in an entirely positive light. Even back in the prequels, and this obviously is a theme that. So the, when when Lucas went back and you know wrote the prequels after this movie, he, he kept he kept it very he kept it very much in line with what with what Return of the Jedi at least the Jedi and their manipulation was. Um, so I, I hear you. I agree with you totally. Yeah, it's not all sunshine and roses when it comes to the Jedi. And I think that as people start to watch The Force Awakens, they're going to learn a lot more about the Jedi Order and about the nature of the Force 
that may challenge what they think they know about the light side and the dark side. Yeah. You know, we often, uh, I think we've often in the past looked at the Jedi as being good. It's been black and white. Jedi good, Sith bad, you know. And uh, you definitely don't see that when you read the expanded universe or what used to be the expanded universe, not, not the new stuff. But uh, you definitely don't see it in the expanded universe. And I think, uh, well, you see, you see, you see, certainly see hits of it as you watch the movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, it's, um, I mean, Obi-Wan can say it's just from a point of view. No, you lied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a bald faced yeah. lie. Yeah. Yeah. And Yoda helped perpetuate it, you know. Yeah. But it's that kind of depth that that makes me love star wars so much is that it on its surface it is a feel-good action film that everyone can get behind and love but if you really start to tear it apart there's some depth there if you look for it Mm -hmm. yeah i'm trying to think back through the jedi that we know that have have not been deceptive maybe qui-gon jinn qui-gon jinn is sort of like the 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 poster boy of the boy scout jedi because he he's up front and honest with anakin young anakin and uh, and all that means, and he doesn't pull any punches when his Padawan questions him, when Obi Wan questions him, and uh, he seems pretty straightforward and doesn't and agree with the council. With the council, he's like, "Screw it, I'm just going to say what I think." Right, right. So I I think probably of the, all the Jedi, and some of them we don't know a crap load about, but but as far as him, the one that we know maybe a little bit about, he seems to be the most straightforward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, interesting. Glad you brought that up, John. Seriously, that's good. <laughs> so let's talk about cringe moments. Let's get into a little bit. What are some moments as we watched this movie again that we said, you know what? This still feels a bit for me. <laughs> um, cringe moments. Miles, go ahead. Some of the things with the, with the Ewoks. I mean, it just was a little too cutesy-cutesy. I mean, um, I don't hate the Ewoks. They're not. It's, they're not bad as Jar Jar and the Gungans, but some of it just seemed like young fan service for little kids. Um, you know, when when the Ewoks are taking rocks and pounding them against those Scout Walkers, I mean, some of it got a little silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, some. Of, I mean, some of the battle scene was cool with especially when the two logs come in and, and destroy the one. Um, but so, some of the stuff with the Ewoks was like, come on. John? Um, so hearkening back to what I was saying before, the scene where uh, Leia is explaining to Han that, uh, that Luke is her brother, Han prefaces this by saying, you love him, don't you? And she goes, well, yes. And in that, that was kind of cringy to me because I'm sure that was written on the page there really was no way to convey that moment of confusion like well yeah of course i love him he's my brother but she she hadn't explained that yet to to han so that context wasn't there so her her reaction to his question was a bit ham-fisted to me and that's just i think that's just bad scripting i think um carrie fisher did the best she could with the line um so that was always kind of kind of tough for me and also the part where she steps out from the Ewok hut wearing her, their hair and braids and the new dress that suddenly appeared. Um, <laughs> and she, she entreats to the, to, the, to the Ewoks, but these are my friends. I'm like, 
Uh, oh yeah, and the other head, the other friends line. And the, all these are all these cringe moments are 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 uh, Carrie Fisher's. Um, <laughs> When she's being pressed up against Jabba's chest, and she says, "You're gonna regret this. We have powerful friends." <laughs> it's just like, you know, uh, maybe not your strongest comeback, but okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we have powerful friends. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly is it's kind of tantrum. flailing on it, you know, the little thing. Um, cringe moments. I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you know, the killing of Jabba is a bit of a cringe moment. I mean, because you think of how thick he is. And here's little scrawny Carrie Fisher in her metal bikini, which, hey, no one's complaining about that, right? Well, I guess people, Disney is now. Disney is. Disney is, but no one else is complaining. <laughs> Nobody else is complaining. Yeah, so Disney, if you didn't hear, is going to no longer market those toys. Is that correct? That's what you That's heard? That's what I hear. Yeah, That's what so. I hear. Well, I haven't heard that come down to, to me, but... You know, we'll we'll do whatever Disney says because it's Disney. Yeah, hey, it's Disney. We're getting even, more Star even Wars. Even Carrie Fisher doesn't mind the bikini. She thinks it's great. Yeah, don't don't tell her that. Miles is going to talk about that a little bit. He has some trivia about the bikini because he looked that up. He spent a lot of time in these questions, Miles, uh, on the bikini. Yeah, I took one for the team there. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, but but the idea that this little scrawny Carrie Fisher is choking this huge job of the hut with a chain. It's just a bit. Did he, he, he has a he has a he has a very weak neck. If he's able to be crushed and killed by that, he's a slug. I know. Never stepped on a slug. Yeah, but not 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 one that big. Not a thousand pounds. <laughs> yeah, not not a slug like that. That's kind of a cringe moment to me. It's just a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit unrealistic. But, but. well, I mean, you get something wrapped around somebody's neck. You don't need. He has all that fat to protect him. You know, that would be interesting <laughs> to see somebody who is more scientifically um, knowledgeable than I am to see if that, you know. See if that's possible. If, that, if, if that's realistic. We need Mythbusters on this. Can yeah. you choke? Star Wars CSI. Yeah, there you go. Someone should do like a uh, series called, you know, Star Wars CSI. That would be great. Could little 110-pound Leia soaking wet um, choke Can, to death uh, with hey. a chain? A uh, thousand pounds, whatever, but whatever, whatever he weighs. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Well, now since we mentioned the uh, bikini, talk about some of the uh, bikini trivia that you found out. I was trying to find. I didn't find it, but I just remember some place where where Carrie Fisher said basically, Lucas sent her to. She had to go to fat camp basically to drop some weight and get fit to wear that thing. So I tried to find information about it. I couldn't find it. But I did find some trivia about the costume, how it came to be, and everything like that. Um, and so there's 15 uh, points of trivia. Number one, the Slave Leia costume was introduced introduced because Carrie Fisher complained about boring costumes she wore in New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Fisher reportedly said you couldn't tell she was a woman in them. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, I could. You could tell it in a return of the Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was no doubt there. Um, <laughs> the point two, the, the 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 slave Leia costume was actually worn by two people in the cast: actress Carrie Fisher and her stunt woman uh, Tracy uh, uh, Eden. And uh, there's there's a picture of the both of them laying out uh, catching some rays in, in the costumes. Yeah, on the barge, I believe. Yeah, looks like it's on the barge. Um, the costume was created by costume designer uh, 
Aggie uh, Gerard Rogers and Nilo Rodis Jamero and constructed with help from Industrial Light and Magic. So, um, the costume was inspired by fantasy artist uh, Frank Frazetta's artwork, uh, Egyptian Queen. Yeah, I can see that. Um, there were different versions of the costume, a metal version for scenes where Fisher didn't move, and a rubber version for performing stunt work. To ensure a custom fit, the costume department made a cast of Carrie Fisher's uh, torso to build the costume around. And, and the original design called for 25 yards of fabric that would flow through the palace, but th- they couldn't get it to work. Um, the mold maker assigned to make the mold of Fisher's torso got so excited about it that they gave the assignment to someone else. <laughs> 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 I guess he creeped them out. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, before filming, Fisher was shown the concept design, and it frightened her into increasing her exercise routine to tone her body for the shoot. She believes that that was the point of showing her the drawings. Uh, the inflexibly, the metal version meant that the wardrobe malfunctions were common. Several scenes had to be reshot because of accidental exposure. Doesn't yeah, I do remember me. reading uh, an article where Carrie Fisher was complaining about you know twisting one way and the bikini went the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, problem. Yeah, I mean, my wife was saying she heard someone, um, boobs in place, okay, we can shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one wardrobe assistant had to check to make sure Fisher's breasts hadn't fallen out after each take. Uh, despite Luke's Luca- job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tough job. Yeah. Despite Lucas' intentions, Fisher was apparently not happy about the Slave Leia costume. She later called it what supermodels will eventually wear in the seventh ring of hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great quote. Yeah. But. Um, the Kenner Toy Company created many action figures of Princess Leia, but never made one for Slave Leia, Leia because they thought it was too risque. Uh, the first official Slave Leia toy wasn't released until 1997 as Jabba's prisoner in Hasbro's Power of the Force collection. Hmm. Uh, and last, the costume has become a huge part of pop culture and is freely worn by celebrities and non-celebrities alike. Some notable examples include uh, Jennifer Aniston on Friends and Yvonne uh, Stravarsky on the TV show Chuck and Kristen Bell in the movie Fanboys. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I remember for the longest time, even before the prequels came out, how I would talk to parents and would say, well, we just aren't going to show Return of the Jedi. Because uh, partly because of how dark it felt, I felt at the beginning, I think, and um, and uh, especially I think partially because of Princess Leia <laughs> and the slave, slave bikini, and they were just concerned, you know, that you know up to then you could probably get away by showing like Star Wars and and you know Empire Strikes Back at a pretty young age, but this was an age that but this now you know felt a little bit more mature because of this, but. I'm just Maybe thinking. that wasn't your experience, but I, but I remember talking to people that mm-hmm. this was somewhat of a big deal. But, but. I could, in the early '80s, I could kind of maybe see that. Yeah. So, well, let's see. We have some other things to talk about. Uh, I do want to talk about where we hope the story goes, and maybe we know a little bit about it from all the trailers we've been seeing and stuff. That, um, but I think one of the things that I do want to talk about is some of the alterations we did this with Empire Two. Uh, some of the alterations between this movie and what was changed um, in the in the more current versions of it. Um, and I guess uh, we can take this, I guess, any way we want here. Uh, any changes bother you? Uh, what things did you like that he did, etc.? 
you know, in you asking that, I just thought of another cringeworthy uh, moment. Um, yes. The ending scene where the Ewoks are singing at the end. I just kind of, I, I didn't care for that. Um, so. You miss Yup Nub. Yeah. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yup Nub. Um, I actually remember this is, in middle school, I had middle school course, and that was actually in one of the songs. Um, Yub Nub. But um, that alteration, that the music they played at the end, you know, it, it was a little, you know, kind of acoustic with percussions and they kind of transitioned to that. I was like, I like this a lot better. I felt uh, that that's the way it should have, you know, I felt that was a, a good, a, a good change. I totally agree. I think that the, the change to the music was more appropriate. I thought Yub Nub was, uh, was very cheesy, uh, certainly in the original uh, version. Now, talking about cringe moments, the change that they did in Jabba's Palace with Jedi Rocks um, was just not worth the, the effort. It just didn't add anything to the scene, didn't add any mystique to it. It was just George Lucas saying, hey, I've got a little extra money in the budget. Let's completely animate a brand new song that no one is ever going to want to hear again. Right. <laughs> um, that was certainly a cringeworthy moment. That is mm. true. Yeah. You know, everyone always talks about the very end, the swapping out of the one Anakin for the other. Yeah. And um, and I, I really do understand... I understand both sides of it. And I, 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 like the old, I like the older guy. And I think because I think that the younger Anakin kind of drove me batty toward the end and was a bit whiny. Uh, at the mm. same token... I have a. I think I understand where Lucas was trying to go with that because that's the last time before he turned to the dark side. This is where he, where he was. Now he kind of comes back at the end, but it's not really demonstrated other than the fact he takes down the Emperor, which I guess is pretty huge. You know, don't get me wrong, but I, there's certainly a cringe moment in that scene. I think. For most yeah, people. I think a lot, lot of old school Star Wars fans probably found that cringe worthy. Yeah, they do. And, and didn't like that alteration. Yeah. Because I, th- I thought the actor who, after you take the mask off, I thought he did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. I mean, Darth Vader basically got his soul back, if you will. And, um, you know, seeing the man out of the mask, and it's a very brief but very powerful moment between him and Luke. And yeah. to, to rob the guy of, I mean... Uh, you know, not having feel for the actor too, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, one of the things that I did like, and I I saw this on IMDb, and had to actually go watch a scene. To, Miles and I were prepping for the show tonight, and when you see in, um, I believe it's on Coruscant, they're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Is it Coruscant? Is that what I showed mm-hmm. you? Yeah, yeah it's Coruscant. They're celebrating, and there's an Imperial stormtrooper crowd surfing. Yeah, I know. I missed that. Yeah, you have to go watch it. There's a video. I, I'll, I'll share a link to a video because they have. You just look up on YouTube the end celebrations and just kind of pause it and look the crowds for a stormtrooper that's crowd surfing. That's hilarious. I it have is. to watch that again. Yeah, so that that's worth just seeing itself. So, and I'm pretty there sure wasn't. Go ahead. Sorry, there was an addition that um, I hadn't noticed until I rewatched it for this for this podcast, um, and I'm not sure when it was added. I, the version I was watching was downloaded from iTunes, the last uh, the last version that was uh, available from iTunes. And that's when um, Luke is getting shocked by the Emperor 
and Vader is looking back and forth between the Emperor and Luke, and you can hear him say, no, no, and does that whole thing from, uh, from uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith again, grabs the Emperor and tosses him over the side. And I know what Lucas was going for, but just, just stop. Sir, just the, stop. The original, the original John was done in silence, right? He didn't say yeah, anything. He just, he just looked back and forth, and then walks over, grabs him, and tosses him. That for me is just as powerful as you actually putting something in and saying "Don't hurt my son," which is basically what No's saying, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, I, was that I, the I, version I, you guys watched? Um, I think that is because I, I, I have the, uh, I have the Blu-ray. I'm sure that's on the Blu-ray. I, I have the 2004 DVDs. Yes, I'm pretty sure. So I, probably it's not in that one. It was not. Yeah, I would have been upset if it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree 100. percent I mean, there's just sometimes no dialogue, silence is, is more powerful. It, it, than that. it is. Um, they did take away at the end Luke winking at the Jedi ghosts at the end. Like apparently that was in the original. He would he he winked. Mm. And they didn't. They took it out. Not yeah, a big deal. Not but, a big deal. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad. You know, there was a lot that I liked. I mean, I liked the addition of like the banthas on the desert, uh, the wipes and fades that they put in, the the the, the re the redoing of the Jedi lightsabers. I love that stuff. That stuff worked for me. Um, in an Empire, the adding of the uh, of the clouds uh, of the the sky. Oh yeah, absolutely. In the Cloud City, I love that stuff. I yeah, so there great. was there was there was a lot of good. Um, they when you go to Jabba's palace the first time, initially in the original, you know, C three PO and R two kind of come up to the door, but the way they shoot it here in the two thousand four version, I guess, or two thousand eleven release, they they kind of pan up out, and it makes the door to Jabba Palace looks huge. Um, and much bigger than it is. And so some of these shots of the sky and everything just feel better. Um, there's once uh, there's a scene when Jabba is um, is ordering Luke into this into the pit and they added digitally his hand holding a microphone. You, it, it's really subtle, but I noticed that was that was added in because so, it says put him in his voice is amplified, but you don't see where it was amplified from until they added Jabba's hand with a microphone. Right, right. Watch it Watch it next time. You might right. catch it. It's probably a high OPR 40. I'm just kidding. A <laughs> <laughs> no. Roadmaster or whatever. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, so I think that's, uh, those are, I mean, any any of the other editions uh, that kind of bothered you? I'm, I, I think the Sarlacc, I didn't need that that giant beak. Um, hmm. The tentacles didn't bother me because you, you see Lando's leg get wrapped by a tentacle. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the um, I was mentioning it like it seems very little shop of horrors. Yeah, you, you were know, saying, feed yeah, me, feed, feed me. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it it feels that way. There's something about not seeing just seeing the teeth itself that is just as frightening as seeing the beak come up. Yeah, I th I think I think seeing the teeth was more frightening than than that 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 beak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So as we look at wrapping this up, the next thing the next thing we get in the Star Wars franchise is the Force Awakens. Um, originally, when this movie ended, what followed was the Hand of Thrawn trilogy, that shifted when Disney took over and decided not to go that direction. 
I'm very sad about that. Still bitter. But um, where are we hoping The Force Awakens takes a story from here? I John, have a, let's, let's start with you, John. I, I have to dance a bit because of the nature of my job. I know more than, than um, average. So I have to dance around the, this, this question a little bit. Um, where I hope this the new trilogy goes is it hopefully will challenge what people think they know about, um, about the Star Wars universe in general. I think that the, uh, the extended universe books, I mean, I, you and I have read most of them, at least. I read them up to the Yuzhang Bong invasion, then I was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> it was just too much. Um, but, you know, everything from Luke and, I'm sorry, uh, Han and Leia's children and, uh, and new Anakin Jr. and uh, Jason and Jaina, um, that, all that stuff and, and their ultimate fates and everything, all that stuff was wonderful, wonderful oh, yeah, stuff. Absolutely. None of that's going to happen. At yes. all, <laughs> yes. it was all so, the thing made of our imagination. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was all staring too long into a snow globe. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I think that uh, what what I think is going to happen, what I think will happen, is it will challenge what people think about the Star Wars universe, the nature of the Force specifically, um, and we'll open up and we'll open up star Wars in much the same way that star Trek, the next generation did. I mean, this is literally star Wars, the next generation. The first movie is going to feature, um, Han Solo and general Leia and a little bit of Luke Skywalker, but really it's going to be about, um, Poe Dameron and it's going to be about Ray and it's going to be about Finn and it's going to be about BB eight. Um, that's what it's really going to be about. And you're going to see more of them, as as you progress through the movies, more of them and less of the old guard. It's going to be a handoff. It's like a and we're going to see them take the off torch. in a brand yeah. new uh, mythology. Yeah. No, I uh, I hear you, Miles. How about you? Where are you where are you hoping the story takes us? I have a lot of questions. Um, if since for better or for worse. They're not going to look at the novels, and and and, and there's part of me that understands it because there's been so many novels over the last twenty some years. Uh, it, it's unrealistic for fans, for for the casual fan to be familiar with them. Um, Plus, Chewbacca dies in the novels. We we get him back here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I would love to know what happened between Episode Six where the universe is is the way it is in universe 7. I mean, what happened? I mean, I thought I mean the rebellion took out the empire, but you look at this and it's just like well the empire still looks like it's in power and you know, what what happened? And and, I, and I'm you know, I I'm not bent out of shape that the empire is still in existence. It's just what you know, what's happened in the last 35 years or whatever it's been since Return of the Jedi? And what have our heroes been doing? I mean, why why did did, did, did Han and Leia get together? Um, you know, so I have a lot of questions. What what have our where what's been going on with our heroes these last 30 some years? And what what transpired? What what happened to make the, the universe, the world? That it that that exists the way it does now. Yeah, I think for me, where I'm hoping this goes, is I agree. There's a lot of questions about the empire. There's a lot of questions I have 
You know, I was watching the the end funeral scene with Vader on the uh, funeral pyre, and uh, and and seeing you know the fire lick around, flames lick you know around his suit. Um, they obviously, for some reason, melted the mask that they kind of show in the uh, trailers. Um, I would have thought that they would have just burned everything to ash, mm-hmm. which is kind of so. Why save the mask? What does the mask represent? Um, how did that occur? And where does this play in? Um, you know, Kylo Rim's honoring the legacy of Vader, however that, whatever that means. Right. Um, and we don't know. I think we interpret that scene as being very evil, when we, with the way it's portrayed. Um, and, the, you know, he has the red lightsaber, so again, it's good versus bad. But at the same time... Um, Anakin's legacy was one of struggle. And um, I think where John kind of hinted at earlier, this idea of, you know, revamping our view of the Star Wars universe, I'm expecting that. And um, if he's honored, in what way does Kylo Ren honor the legacy and how does this transfer, transfer into the Jedi? Yeah. So... And who are the new who are the new instructors for these young Jedi that are coming in? So Han Solo seems to have been won over from the trailers at least. But well, it's interesting to see the Force. It is real. It exists or whatever. He he has obviously grown, evolved, and changed in these last thirty years. What what's life been like for him? I will tell you though, and we can talk about it all we want. But the trailer when you first see Han and he says we're home, that's just absolutely awesome. You know, just, just Oh, it took my breath away. <laughs> you know, my heart's just palpitating. To, mm-hmm. you know, just like, I mean, I didn't care that. Okay, he's he's seventy some years old, but I you know, just like wow, this feels like my Star Wars. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else to add? All thing um, for you fans of the extended universe, I will tell you this: George Lucas throws nothing away. I'll just I'll just leave that hanging there. George Lucas throws nothing away. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, all right. So a little bone that John's throwing (laughs) away here. We did find out, by the way, though, and tying it back into Return of the Jedi, that Boba Fett is not dead. Because that was, I mean, that was a fan theory, but it came out, I think it came out from Disney. They basically ended up admitting it. Right, John? Is that correct? I think. I don't know that they have. I saw it come from what I know that it was in a couple sites reported that somewhere along the way they said, "Well, he's not really dead." Well, you see, I, the graphic novels explored that, and yeah, so well, and there is, was there was the novelizations in the expanded mm-hmm. universe that explored that too. So that's not that's not a huge surprise. It's that Mandalorian armor he has, right? Yeah, techno, so. <laughs> I don't know if they actually borrow that or keep that. It'll be interesting to see if they borrow anything at all from the expanded universe there they have a wealth they have a wealth of information to draw from well they have in the past i mean uh, when yeah. they when they did the prequels they they did borrow some stuff yeah. they they borrowed some from Timothy Zahn we know that from interviewing him right um Coruscant was basically a development of his mm-hmm. um i think the lightsaber <clears throat> kylo ren has was also an extended universe um so the lightsaber sword appeared do you remember what novelization that appeared in john I'm trying to remember. I was just reading about that the other day. That yeah. there was a uh, Jedi with a hilt, uh, yeah. with a cross guard yeah. on his lightsaber. Yeah. So there, that that's not unheard of. Um, it would be great to see the lightsaber whip come into play. Right. 
right. Yeah. I remember that. Was that? Was yeah. That, did Mar Jade? Did Mar Jade have that one? Is that Mar Jade? Did she have a lightsaber whip? I'm I'm drawing a blank. It's been a while since I read the novels. But I, mean, I thought she had Luke Skywalker's old lightsaber. Yeah, but uh, but uh, that would be great to have a lightsaber whip. That'd be great. So, all right. All right. Well, I think that's it. We kind of dissected this a lot. We are, uh, you know, encroaching on an hour and a half here and mm-hmm. probably a little bit less after I trim it down from the beginning. But we, uh, if we wanted to, we could talk about this for a few more hours. Oh, man. We're, there's a lot to talk. There's a lot we didn't even cover yeah. in this movie. And so, I have a lot of notes. I have a lot of notes that I made. Topics <laughs> we can cover, of, of yeah. rat holes we can dig into. There's a lot. <laughs> Is there anything that's crucial that you feel like we should dig into before we wrap up? Yes. Go ahead. One thing we need to cover. Go ahead. Shoot. We're done. And that is the song Ewok Celebration by the artist Miko, whom you might remember did the disco remix of the Star Wars theme when the original Star Wars came out. And you guys probably used his music bed for uh, for the um, A New Hope episode. I did. It also uh, is the music bed for Empire. I put a link in the show notes to uh, to a YouTube video, which includes the other, just in case you want to use it. But it right. was—it's been sticking—it's been sticking in my head all my life. I listened to that stupid song <laughs> so many times that I memorized some of the Ewokies um, that is uh, depicted in that song. So enjoy. Maybe, maybe we'll throw it in at the end there. That would sure. be a great ending song to have and and have it have it work. I've been amazed when I listened to like the Star Wars disco about how much I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not bad. No, it's not yeah. bad at all. I mean, but anyway, they played on the radio when I was young. You know, back in the seventies, eighties, I I was happy. You know, it's the Star Wars <laughs> disco. It's like, oh, I, I didn't know it existed until I ran across on YouTube. I was like, well, I need some creative music to. I used to put in like the metallic, the Metallica trance, uh, you know, Imperial Death March mix that they have out. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up. That's great. Anything else, John, on your list? Uh, you know, if if I brought it up, we would talk for another hour. So I think we'll just leave it there. Okay. We can uh, yeah, we, we you can talk can, after. You guys can talk to me on Twitter and tell me your theories, and I'll uh, I'll respond back with 140 characters of mine. No, <laughs> there there you go, there you go. Well, um, John, before we wrap up, uh, let's give you once a, ch- a chance once again. How can people find you? Um, talk a little bit about Think Geek, and uh, we'll give you a chance to plug here before we go. The best way to find me is on Twitter, as I said, uh, twitter.com slash phrase, F-R-A-I-Z-E, or Z-E, as you Canadians would say. Um, and uh, come to thinkgeek.com and check out our stuff. We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we made, that we had made for us. Um, we really went into a lot of effort to uh, try and, and make sure that uh, the fans got something really cool that they could want this year. Sure, you can get a lightsaber of a Toys R Us, but come on, you could do better than that. We've got heat-changing mugs with Kylo Ren on it. We've got Star Wars selfie sticks. We've got uh, um, backpacks that are made out of Chewbacca hair. I mean, come on. There's all kinds of stuff you guys want. From the real hair of Chewbacca's back. (laughs) I'm (laughs) with a certificate of authenticity. No, 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 I'm just kidding. My family discovered... I mean, I'm getting stuff at ThinkGeek for me, and so I'm looking forward to Christmas. (laughs) No, because that's where they get your gifts. They've got me some gifts there, so I'm looking forward to it. That is awesome. I assume that Star Wars merchandise is selling real well for you guys this year? Star Wars merchandise is, as of this recording, on sale right now. So, wow. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you, John, so much for joining us here at the Sci-Fi Diner tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Woo! (laughs) 
And uh, Miles, why don't you take us out of the show? All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya.
Uh, let's see. So I mean, I'm looking at my notes. It says um, Harrison Ford was almost not in Return of the Jedi. He had only signed on for two movies. That's right. And Lucas, yeah. Lucas thought he couldn't get him back. So he hired Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian to sort of play that rogue role in his stead. But um, the producer said, hey, I think I can get uh, Harrison signed for the movie. We just have to give him um, uh, he doesn't want pay he wants a cut of the gross and at the time they were like yeah sure you can have a cut of the gross huh? <laughs> Harrison Ford got rich where everyone else got paid you know relatively relative scale um, <laughs> but smart. yeah the intention was that they were just going to leave him in carbonite through the entire movie and just unfrost him at the end so they could bring Harrison Ford in for a day and pay him scale and that would be the end of it um, then there was a Sir Alec Guinness who really 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 didn't want to play a ghost he just was not <laughs> interested but he's such a professional that he said, "I'm I'm not going to leave something unfinished." So, um, he said in he said in his uh, interview for his autobiography or his biography, he says, uh, "It's a rotten, dull little bit, but it would have been mean of me to say no." No. <laughs> so uh, a little, little color into Allegheny's. Um, I, I knew I knew he didn't like it at the end playing the role. He felt like it typecasted him, or like suddenly that was all that people knew him as. Right. Obi Wan. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, and the last thing was in an early draft of Return of the Jedi, both Obi-Wan and, and Yoda, when they when they became force ghosts, essentially, they were uh, in a place called the Netherworld. And they could, if they chose, return as flesh and blood. But they decided that they were more powerful and more useful as these sort of force ghosts. And in fact, intervened uh, in the last battle between Vader and the Emperor and Luke. A Vader was was trying to shoot Luke with force lightning, and a shield suddenly appeared in front of Luke that had Luke, I'm sorry, had Obi-Wan and Yoda's faces, uh, which freaked um, the Emperor out so much that he was completely distracted, and um, Vader bum-rushed him and tackled him into a pool of lava, which was conveniently placed next to the Emperor's throne room, right. um, <laughs> essentially killing the Emperor and Vader in one shot. Um, and then after that battle was over and Luke escaped the, the destroying Death Star, um, uh, both Obi-Wan and Yoda appeared from around a tree on, on, uh, on uh, Endor as flesh and blood. And Luke was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're back. And, uh, and Obi-Wan said, well, there's more. And gestured, and there's uh, Anakin Skywalker in flesh uh, also coming around. And, and there's a big hug and a reconciliation and happy ending. So that would have been weird. That would have been weird. That would have been really weird. I think seeing lava in the Death Star would just have been hard to explain. Everybody would ask, why yeah, is there lava? Why lava in the Death well, Star? <laughs> well, actually, so so the original cut um, had Luke not going to the Death Star or Endor. He went to, to Coruscant, uh, which actually back then was called Had uh, Abaddon. Okay. And um, and and Had Abaddon was the name of the was the name of the core system, not Coruscant. And in the Emperor's throne room, the Emperor had decorated with uh, with lava because, you know, bad guy. He could. <laughs> yeah, he's lava. Yeah, because he could, right. right, right. Yeah. Some people have a champagne fountain. I have a lava fountain. Right, I have so, a lava pit right next to me. Well, if Dr. Evil can have a pool of sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads, I guess exactly. the Emperor could have <laughs> yeah, exactly. lava. Exactly. Well, that's interesting with the whole netherworld thing. Um I'm glad they didn't go that direction. 
Yeah, go if you uh, go to Amazon and look for the novel or look for the book, The Making of Return of the Jedi. There is, in fact, there's one for each movie. There is so much background information. There are uh, sketches from uh, Ralph McQuarrie. There are handwritten uh, notes written by Lucas himself. There are transcripts of meetings between Lucas and the producers uh, kicking around ideas saying, you know, what if what if Yoda just dies? You know, what if Yoda just dies at the end and that's it? And they're like, and Lucas like, yeah, OK, I could go for that. I could go for that. Um, you know, it's really cool to hear to, to see that that conversation and see the movie that we're that we know backwards and forwards evolve from conversations around a table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, some of that stuff's fascinating. You kind of wonder, well, what if they would have chosen to go that route? How would that change the way we perceive Star Wars or the way we would uh, understand Star Wars? Or um, or even like the lava pit ends up working its way into Mustafar, right? Um, hmm. In a way, in, 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 into the death of Anakin and the rise of Darth Vader. I mean, so some of these ideas are these lava worlds or lava planets and kind yeah. of work themselves into other things. Well, like... Like John said, Lucas doesn't throw anything away. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, all the Ralph McQuarrie sketches that I was looking at in that book, um, a lot of the sketches were of like, there was one of what was supposed to be Vader's shuttle, and it actually is a tri-wing that was in the video game uh, X-Wing 2. I'm sorry, TIE Fighter 2. Um, so, you know, that's what I mean by he doesn't throw anything away. He's got all this art and all of these notes and all of this this wonderful lore that he created that is just sort of sitting on a shelf. Use it. You know, I've already done the work. Just use it. You know, you say that, and I remember now. I, I looked at something early concepts for Empire Strikes Back. They showed concepts for the for the for the Ad Ad Walkers. They showed there's a picture of one, an early one. It was more almost turtle like, but I I could swear that was used in um, uh, Attack of the Clones. You see it at the mm-hmm. end when they're when when the when clone troopers are loading up the uh, the star destroyer and yeah. you see this thing crawling up at and it looks very similar to what I remember in that that that, that, that yeah. drawing book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's uh, it's kind of fun. It's exciting and it's neat to see and neat to again see some of the way some of these things come about and evolve and and the way it works. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of cool. So. Every time Heather and I watch the trailer on TV, we just shake our heads and go, don't screw it up. Don't. Yeah. JJ, no. No. Don't screw it up. <laughs> no. Down. Now, again, does this play into the high expectations we have of JJ? Or are we just hoping that... Are we hoping I think really- Miles and I have low expectations for JJ at this point. I'm cautiously optimistic of the movie, but at the same time, we've been let down so bad because of the prequels. I, I hate to say it sounds so jaded, but almost anything's an improvement. Yeah. I, I think it's going to still be, regardless of, you know, if we think it's going to be great or just good, it's going to still be a, a, a huge improvement of the prequels. This is the trap we fall into as fanboys because, as you know, Miles and I have read so much of the. Uh, uh, actually, you too, Scott, have read so many of the Star Trek novels. Oh yeah. That we kind of have in our mind what the future post uh, insurrection. I'm sorry, post um, nemesis of Star Trek is. We kind of know what happens. And if there was ever an opportunity for another Star Trek movie, or you know what, what Beyond is going to be like, if it's going to be set in the Prime Universe post um, uh, post nemesis. And it and it demolishes that. We're going to be disappointed. 
because we like where the world is going. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Star Wars. The fans have in their minds where they think it's going to go. And when it doesn't, when when Lucas and JJ say, no, 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 these are my toys. I tell the story where there's going to be a strong contingent of people with with an outlet on the Internet, mind you, to, to bitch about it. Yeah. So there's going to be a loud outcry of this sucks. This is the worst thing since sliced bread. I think you'll, there'll still be some of that, regardless. And regardless, however you however you take it, it's, it's uh, again. We were watching that interview with JJ earlier on, and and he just said there's no way it's going to meet the expectations and the hype. 